Earlier this week, somebody came to repair a refrigerator. And after he installed a new compressor in the refrigerator, he said, now I have to update the software. I said, update the software on the refrigerator? He said, yeah, we have to update the software. And he opened up one of the panels on the back of the refrigerator, and there is a motherboard. There's a computer in my refrigerator. My refrigerator is smarter than me. It's amazing to think that refrigerators and appliances have computers now. So many technological advances in recent years. In fact, if your phone, your smartphone, is just two or three years old, it has more computing power than the computer on the Apollo 11 lunar lander module that brought men from Earth to the moon 54 years ago. Many developments, a lot of change and advance in the last century alone. Think about all the advances in civilization and humanity in the past 2,000 years when this gospel was proclaimed, or 25, 2,600 years ago when the first reading from Isaiah chapter 55 was first written. Yet the images we have in Isaiah 55 and the images we have in the parable which Jesus tells in the gospel this morning, these images are lasting They are eternal. It's something which people could understand millennia ago, and it's something which people can understand today. And anybody this morning who is here over the age of four or five, they're going to be able to understand the parable. Yet, at the same time, somebody could do a doctoral dissertation on this parable and not reach the fullness of the depths of it in a lifetime. As Augustine says in his confessions, O beauty ever ancient, ever new. The scriptures, the faith, it's it's ancient, yet it's very new at the same time. I just think it's fascinating to think about how people can, can listen to these same parables and listen and read these same images for thousands of years, and it has the same meaning. In Isaiah 55, which is just filled with incredibly beautiful and profound imagery. God tells Isaiah, he's telling his people through the prophet Isaiah that just as the water comes down from heaven, beautiful image, we can all understand, just as the rains come down, gives life to plants so they can produce fruit before that water goes back to the sky, evaporates to rain down again. So God's word does to the human condition, the human heart who receives that who allows that grace of God to, to, to live in and through them. God's word is powerful. It's living and effective, and it desires to animate you. And in the gospel, very beautiful imagery once again, something very simple. And anybody who has better gardening skills than I, which is all of you here, you can easily understand what Jesus is saying here. You put a seed in rich soil, and it's going to grow. If you take care of that, you water it, you keep the weeds away, 
is going to grow and it's going to produce fruit. It's going to flower, it's going to blossom, it's going to grow. As long as the environment which that seed is in is a good environment, it will grow. And then Jesus gives in the parable some other, some other scenarios of the seed which may fall on rocky ground or the seed which may be surrounded by thorns or weeds, the seed which is plucked up by the birds on the path. Once again, something very easy for us to understand. As a priest, as a priest, I'm able to witness all these scenarios played out, which we hear about in the gospel. And there are many people in this county whom I think, and I've told some of them, and I, many of these young people in our parishes here, I've told them, I say, if you continue to cooperate with the grace of Jesus Christ, you're going to do amazing things. And some of these young people are going to influence tens of thousands of Catholics in their lifetime. And I honestly, sincerely believe that with all my heart. If they continue to allow that seed to, to germinate, to grow in rich soil and to guard it against the weeds, the thorns, the birds, the spiritual uh, elements of this world. And some of these people I've told them, and I hope that that's encouraging for them. I've also see, seen some lives in which that seed, it falls onto rocky ground and it, it, it takes, it, it blooms immediately, but because the, there's no roots, it's, it's going to wither, it's going to dry out very quickly. And unfortunately, I see that as a priest, people, they'll get on fire, their faith, and they'll, they'll try to do everything. And I caution them, you know, slow down or you're going to burn out, going to burn out. And sure enough, after several months, I won't see them for a while. And they'll come back to Mass, or I'll see them in the grocery store, and I'll say, hey, we miss you here. We miss you at Mass. And they say, well, I, was, I just got too busy, and you know, I got overwhelmed with everything I was doing. So we have to be careful not to get burned out. We have to be careful and be reminded by St. Paul that this is a marathon. This is not a sprint that we're in. I've also seen this. Uh, when I was in my military chaplaincy, I interacted with hundreds of different Protestant ministers of all denominations and flavors, interacted with thousands and thousands of Protestant men and women serving in the armed forces. And when I would talk to them, one of the first questions I would ask is, which church are you currently going to? Which church are you currently going to? And 80% of the time, they will say, well, we just moved to this church and we're pretty happy with it, or... You know, we've been going here for a couple months and, you know, things just aren't the same. So we're going to go to another one. But more than 80% of the time, they're in transition or about to be in transition to another church. And I think one of the, the common complaints of, of some of the Protestants I worked with in, in the army, one of their common complaints was they would go to a, an evangelical a church. It was very lively, uh, a good church, has a lot of... Um, they were very good at welcoming people, um, incredible uh, ways to, to make people feel at home, a lot of energy, a lot of emotion. But then the, the people realized that the preacher's sermons were on an eight-week cycle. You'd hear the same readings and the same message, the same sermon, every eight weeks. It's because their intent was to just bring people in. 
their denomination, their church may have been just a few years old or a few decades old or, or maybe a few centuries. But there is really a lack of catechesis. And these families who would go to these churches, after the second or third cycle, appearing these things over and over, they, they realized that they wanted something deeper and that their roots weren't digging down into the soil and they weren't really being fed on uh, some of the uh, very important issues. And so they would go to another another church and try something else. As Catholics, it's very important for us. We have 2,000 years of Christian tradition, and it goes that builds on the, on, the, on the Jewish faith. So we have thousands and thousands of years of history and, and teaching and, and morality and tradition to build on top of it. It's important for us to not just allow our roots to remain on, on the surface level, but to, to sincerely grow deeper and to be fed. I've also seen, on many occasions, um, people, and they allow that seed, that, that seed of faith, the Word of God in their heart, to be planted in an area, to be surrounded by weeds and thorns. Whether they do this intentionally or unintentionally, the result is normally the same. And the, the thorns, the weeds of this world, they will, they will choke out that seed. They will rob the nutrients, so to speak. They'll, they'll overshadow it and, and steal the light, steal the rain, the moisture from it, spiritually speaking. So there's nothing left for that seed. And it, uh, sometimes it, it dies. I remember at one assignment, uh, a lady I knew called me up and she said that one of her children was in jail, so I went to visit him, and I visited him several times over a series of months, and I, I told him, I said, surround yourself with good people in here, because in jail, I don't know if you've been to jail, hopefully not, but if you have, you'll, you'll know that there's, there's several different groups in, in jail, in prison. There's a group that they just want to do their time, stay under the radar, and get out as quickly as possible. Then there's other groups who continue to cause problems, and and their stay is going to be extended. And I told this young man, I said, just stay out of trouble. Surround yourself with good people. We're going to support you and help you to get out quickly. And I saw him just a few days before his release. And I once again, I said, surround yourself with good people when you get out of here. He leaves. Two weeks later, his mother, she's, she calls me again. She's crying. She's sobbing. Very distraught, she said he's back in jail. So I went to visit him again. I said, what happened? Did you surround yourself with good people? He said, well, a few days after I got out, I was hanging out with some old friends. They had drugs on them. And the cops came. And this guy got pinned with all of it. He got blamed for all of it. So we went back to, to jail. He went back to prison for almost a year. Another year. And I said, if you only surrounded yourself with good people, you would not be back here. The same is true in our spiritual life. We have to surround ourselves with good people. In fact, I'm preparing several couples for the sacrament of holy matrimony. One of the sections we talk about is friends and interests. And we talk about questions like, how many friends do you have in common with young Catholic faithful couples who are going to support you and encourage you 
to be a, a good, young, faithful Catholic couple in this world today, which is something which is very difficult to do. So many pressures on, on young Catholic couples right now to not be faithful. And so we talk a lot about how to, how to build relationships with other young Catholic couples who will support them and encourage them in their, in their role as spouses and parents. Because many people, many people today, they just, they will place themselves in a situation which they're just surrounded with thorns and spiritual weeds. And so I have some tips for you this morning on how to make sure that you are not only planted in rich soil, but that soil is, is kept free from thorns and weeds and other distractors. And the first is that advice which I gave that young man in jail. Surround yourself with good people. Surround yourself with good, like-minded, faithful, Christian people. They don't have to be Catholic. Some of my very good friends are, are very faithful, on-fire Protestants. But they're Protestants who don't challenge me in my faith in, 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 in a way that's saying that what I'm doing is wrong. They challenge me to be a better priest and to be a better Catholic. And you should surround yourself with, with good, faithful Catholics and good, faithful Christians who will support you and help you to grow in virtue in your faith. It's so very important. One of the things which we've emphasized a lot here at all the parishes in Pondere is fellowship after Mass. There's an important reason why we're doing that, because that's where people are building relationships. That's where people are finding and, and meeting these people they've, they've been going to Mass with in, for five or ten years, and they don't even know their name yet. They go to fellowship, they meet them, they, they find out, hey, there's a lot in common. And some of these people, they're starting to form good relationships, they're forming Bible studies. It's absolutely amazing. In fact, one of the people, Medellin Falls, this morning, she made the comment. She said, you know, we started with two or three people at fellowship at Medellin Falls. This morning we had over 20. Of course, the parishes have doubled up there, too. We have over, we had almost 30 people at fellowship this morning in Medellin Falls. That's more than what used to go to that parish. Why are those parishes, why have they doubled? Because they, they fellowship afterwards and they support each other. And they're growing in their faith. It's so very important. That is the rich environment, that soil. So the first one is surround yourself with good people. The second is avoid anti-Catholic ideologies and spiritualities and, and philosophies and practices. And one of the, the common ones is there's still a lot of Catholics I run into who practice uh, some aspects of Eastern mysticism or Eastern spiritualities, Eastern religions. Many people are doing it. They don't even know they're doing it. One of the most common ways is yoga. And every time I talk about this, somebody will say, well, Father, I do Catholic yoga or I do Christian yoga or I do yoga that it doesn't do the prayers, the chants or whatever. I, firm, I, I honestly believe that it's, it's not possible to remove the, the spiritual nature uh, from the poses, and, and I'm not alone. Many of the more well-known uh, Catholic exorcists, priest exorcists in our nation say the exact same thing, including, including the priest exorcists of this diocese. He will tell you the same thing. It's almost impossible to remove the spirituality. The pose itself 
Many of these poses themselves in yoga are prayers. The pose itself is a prayer. It's very difficult to separate a meaning from, from a gesture. For example, um, if a man was to, I don't recommend you to do this in public unless you really mean what you're doing, but if a man was to walk down the street and stop a woman, grasp her hand and get down on one knee and look into her eyes and he says to her, it's such a beautiful day out, isn't it? She's going to think that there's something else happening here, right? Because that gesture, that, that posture, that pose has a very specific meaning. I mean, if you cut somebody off in traffic, I'm sure you've never done this, but if you cut somebody off in traffic and they show you one of their fingers, that pose, that posture has something very, a very specific meaning attached to it. You can't just go around waving that finger to people and say, hey, how you doing today? You can't do it. And I, I've, never seen, I've never seen anybody from an Eastern religion, or I've never seen a Muslim, go around making the sign of the cross, the sign of the Christian faith, the sign of the belief in the triune God. I've never seen anybody go around making the sign of the cross, say, oh, I'm, just, I'm not praying, I'm just working out my shoulder, my rotator cuff. These things have meaning. And it's important for us to think about what we're doing in this world. Because we may not know what we don't know. So avoid anti-Catholic ideologies and spiritualities and, and philosophies. And, and avoid the New Age movement. Just avoid it. It's, it's filled with doorways. The exorcist of this diocese, he will tell you this. It's filled with doorways for demons to get into your soul. Stay away from that stuff. The third way is to know that if you are in addiction, whether it be substance abuse, chemical addiction, uh, pornography, gambling, whatever it may be, there's an addiction in your life that is hurting you, hurting your marriage, hurting your, your family, hurting your career, whatever it may be, hurting your prayer life, seek help with it. Seek spiritual help. There's things which a priest can do. There's sacraments which can be given to you. There's prayers, very special prayers which can be prayed over you to help get rid of some of these weeds, some of these thorns which are choking out God's grace directed towards you. The fourth way is to cooperate with the grace which God gives to you to allow that seed to grow. And that, that grace comes through prayer, it comes through reading the sacred scriptures, and it comes through the sacraments. Cooperate with that grace. God is giving you the moisture, the, the, the sunlight, everything you need He's, he's helping you to weed the garden. He's giving you everything you need to make sure that that seed is planted in good soil so that it can grow to produce 30 or 60 or 100 fold. And it will if you allow it. It will. God has planted that seed of faith, the word of God in your heart. And he gives you the grace necessary to allow that seed to grow. And if you cooperate with that grace, especially through the sacraments, it will grow incredibly. But in order for that to happen, we have to stay away from the weeds. Praise be Jesus Christ.